Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune for March the 18th, 2017. We have got one whopper of a show for you tonight. Uh, it is Brian and I's great pleasure uh, to introduce a newest member to the crew. So that is very exciting. But let's put our minds in the proper perspective. We have it coming out in Israeli national news that people inside the government of Israel are making statements that Netanyahu is trying to cook up a Palestinian state. We have serious implications here, uh, more going into politics and this Trump effect slash Russia connection. I'm sure that Brian is going to want to talk about that as it's put in the mainstream news about Russia's fifth column. Brian, it also has brought to your attention the rise of nationalism. It's coming out, mainstream news, the rise of Europe's far right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is all over the news. I mean, we have this come out in the United Kingdom. Donald Trump's chief strategist believes only chaos and collapse can lead to renewal. Brian and I just talked privately about a certain sect, the Ashkenazi that are longing for a very particular Messiah to come for the second time. Ladies and gentlemen, there are serious questions as to whether Turkey is even a democracy anymore. Look at what has happened here with United States spending. Has anyone even taken a look at the redirection of funds away from Americans straight into the war mongers' pockets. You can go to the federal websites and clearly look at it yourself. Funding is being taken away from education, although the whole nine yards. HUD is even going to be slashed for low-income housing. That all must go toward World War III. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had this past week outbreaks in the horse population. We have had the first case of uh, the plague reported uh, in Colorado. 
And I wonder if anybody even realized that they're having to step in and do special feeding sessions for the black-footed ferret because they have been completely obliterated due to plague outbreak. Ladies and gentlemen, this is getting very serious. When we have news and counter news, so you don't know which one is correct, but ladies and gentlemen, do, do we really have in the POTUS inner circle Nazis? How is that even possible? But ladies and gentlemen, if you're a member of a Hungarian Nazi group… You really should not be taking part in American politics. Now, we also have stuff like this going on This that is truly, truly upsetting. We have 40 refugees, women and children, in a boat, a fishing boat. They are obliterated by no less than a 30-millimeter chain gun. Ladies and gentlemen, it's completely illegal to target anything with that particular weapons platform. You cannot shoot human beings with a 30-millimeter. Then it comes right out the very next day that Saudi Arabia had bought those Apache helicopters used to perform the deed. Oh, Lord have mercy. Don't you understand? They, after the fact, sold the murder weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, this is beginning to be very serious. Now, as far as uh, the vast swath of Americans are concerned, this should get your attention. Because it was just out in the news in the UK… That the Plymouth Brethren held a very high security meeting to the point, of course, it got the media's attention and everybody wanted to know what this secret meeting performed by, of course, this is the Sikh Darby's. Hyperdispensationalism, and of course the rapture. This is this is where it comes from. So this secret meeting that was held under heavy guard raises some serious concerns, and I do take note of this: that the supposed rapture index was raised on March the twelfth to one eighty-two, which they themselves. Is the category in which is entitled Fasten Your Seatbelts. I hope I've got your attention. I hope you have the proper mindset. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is all going somewhere. We're to the point now where we don't even know what's fake news and what's real news. It's getting hard to differentiate the two. With that being said, 
I only have a singular question that I should ask you. Are you ready? Because something's coming down the barrel. Ladies and gentlemen, you should fasten your seatbelt and get your trays into the upright position because we, your host, have oiled the saddles. We have brushed the steeds. It is time. By the way, I've got another question for you. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie?
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Uh, it's a great honor and a pleasure to be here with you uh, this this very uh, wonderful platform that we all have here to broadcast all over the globe. I'm I'm very thankful for it. You know, the evangelist of the old days. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm sure they could have accomplished far more uh, than we do here, but. We do the best that we can, and concerning that, I do have an announcement I need to make uh, so everybody's brought up to speed. This past uh, Purim, uh, while he was at church, Brian's father-in-law passed away. All of our prayers go out to uh, Tiana, his wife, and I would hope that she takes my words to heart. What a great honor. Uh, for the Lord to call you home on Purim at church. Uh, so Brian may be off his game a little bit, uh, but I'm sorry to announce that, but but I think it, it should come with a twinge of great joy, uh, because what, what an honor. And I've told you all that um, we also uh, had a death uh, back on Labor Day. Uh, my pastor passed away, Pastor Gary, on Labor Day. What a what a great honor to have the Lord make sure that your congregation knows, and especially your wife, that his labor was finished. It was time for him to go home. So uh, we would appreciate your prayers uh, for Tiana and the surviving members of her family, her brother, and uh, her mother. But uh, – we do also have uh, great news, but let's get Brian in the saddle. Uh, Brian, I hope that your day went okay, and I, I hope I'm not asking too much to uh, to do a show tonight. Um, how are you feeling, and more importantly, how is your wife? Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. Everyone's all right. My wife's taking it rather well. We know grief can go through many phases here, so... Okay, now, of the next weeks, months go here. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new member to the End Time Tribune crew. It is none other than Clinton Kowatch of uh, ClintonKowatch.com. Uh, he also is an author, and he also runs a broadcast called The Diligent Watchman. I strongly suggest uh, you take a listen at it. Uh, let's get him in the saddle, and uh, let's poke a stick at him. Uh, Clinton, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and your views on the end times. And uh, please bring us up to speed, because you seem to be of a financial stint uh, a lot of the stuff that I see that you do uh, is based on the financial realm, which is going to be a great addition to the broadcast because Brian and I really don't watch that stuff. But uh, a warm and hearty welcome to you. Uh, welcome to the broadcast, uh, the broadcast, Clinton. Great. Thank you very much. I'm uh, very happy to be uh, with you guys and to be part of your show. Uh, to introduce myself to your listeners a little bit, uh, You know, my background kind of starts with um, I was born and raised in Colorado on a small farm, and uh, unfortunately, um, 
when I was about seven years old, my parents actually got divorced. And that kind of started everything with my travel with the Lord. Um, at that time, my mother was Christian and my father believed we came from aliens. And uh, my father actually got custody of us. And my mother at the time gave me a Bible and basically said, good luck. And I was off on my own. So as a seven-year-old, I'm trying to read the scripture and it doesn't quite make sense. And, and I get to the book of Revelation and I ask my mother, I'm like, so what does this mean? And she basically said, no one understands it. No one's going to understand it. Don't even worry about it. And I took it as a personal challenge of my own to try to find out as much as I could about this mysterious book. Um, through the years, I absorbed everything I could. I read every kind of uh, author I could on biblical prophecy all the way through different prophecies like Notre Dame, Edgar Casey, everything I could study, I grabbed my hands onto. Um, as I grew up, um, I was, had the ability to go to a very good school and uh, receive my degree in economics. And at that time, I actually uh, wrote a book and, uh, about uh, inefficiency in the stock market I found during the tech book. Um, it proved to be worthy, but then through economics, everything changed. Um, ultimately, when 9-11 happened, it kind of woke me up to the extent of where we were at. And I started focusing on international policy between Israel and Palestine, looking at economics, how that fits into everything, and how it progressed. Um, my personal belief is through economics, everything is tele telegraphed on what is going to happen and how they're going to proceed. So you're able to look into kind of the hidden world uh, around us and see what is going down the line. And I use that um, in, in my studies when it comes to Bible prophecy. Now, when it comes to the book that I uh, published, it's called Submissive Wisdom. And it, it goes through and talks about the expectations that we have from God uh, to be submissive to him and to how to guide our lives. Um, and it expands that all the way through from just the individual to the, the spouse to the family. And then ultimately goes into truth and understanding the world that we're around us uh, and, and Bible prophecy. Um, also, considering my background um, and what I went through as a child, I'm very deep into what's going on socially and how uh, prophetically uh, we are in a time when things are kind of going crazy and people have lost their morals, they've lost their bounding, they've, they've lost what they can do and where they're supposed to look. And so I try to focus and look into that the best that I can. I see. Well, that, that makes you aptly qualified uh, to be a seriously needed addition to the crew because Brian and I really don't spend a whole lot uh, in that arena of economics outside of, you know, the news that, that we can cover. And I am going to cover some news here in a little while. Um, seems that in some places uh, there's a serious jobless problem going on. But that's all been swept underneath the rug. That's all something – something is going on there. That's, that's for sure. So uh, we certainly uh, are grateful uh, that you've joined the crew. And concerning that, would you like to go first uh, for a round of news, or you a little nervous you want me to go first? Well, Brian always makes me go first, but or maybe I can make Brian go first. Uh, it really doesn't matter to me. You just want to jump in the saddle and go for it? Yeah, I have no problems doing that at all. Um, you know, because there's, there's so much information coming out, and there's so much going on that it's hard to get a handle on everything. 
And so it's nice to have different point of views that people can pull from, that they can see exactly what's going on from different eyes. Uh, when we look from an economic spectrum, uh, we have some major issues going on, not only on the global market, but also within the United States. Um, for instance, a lot of people don't even really know what this raise in interest rate this last week actually meant and, and, and how that's going to affect everything. And once you understand that, you can actually see how it ties into the new health care bill, how it ties into, uh, for instance, uh, genetic testing that they want to associate with employer uh, health care, and, and how everything is starting to set up a system that is very prophetic in the way that it does it. Um, when you look at the, the raise of interest rates that they just did, um, for instance, the, they raised it a half a point, which brings the overall interest rate to about 1%. Now, what that does is that restricts the amount of money out there. Well, normally they do that in a time when things are actually expanding and doing great and everyone's able to have money to go out and buy goods and services. Well, the only times they've ever raised interest rates in an economy that is stagnant, uh, it has caused a recession or in some cases a depression. Um, so we have to look at, is the U.S. economy stagnant? Well, we have a report that just came out uh, that talked about, it's from the Atlanta Fed, that talked about gross domestic product, which is what the United States produces on a, like a nation level, that arose less than 1%. Normally, the guideline is 3%, and everyone hit on Obama for never hitting 3%, so hitting 1% is basically nothing. So we have an economy that is not growing, and they're raising interest rates. So what that means is they're slowly going to constrict the money supply which is going to cause people to start suffering more. They're not going to have money to buy things, which causes people to lose their jobs. And you go down what's called a deflationary cycle. And that, unfortunately, is kind of the direction that the, they're pushing the economy to go down by raising the interest rates and everything. And it's going to cause um, basically a bubble in the economy to burst. Now, this doesn't mean that the Dow is going to go down in value. This means that the fundamentals of the economy are going to decrease. And we have a lot of different situations going on that are going to affect that. Um, we have a possibility of a trade war that is developing between the United States and China. And if you look at it from a business standpoint, we have Donald Trump, who is president of the United States, who is a businessman. He thinks he can go in and renegotiate with all these countries to get a better deal. And that's one reason, for instance, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, why we pulled out of that is we we're going to renegotiate everything. Well, the problem is we pulled out and China stepped in. So now China is actually negotiating with all these countries that we were negotiating with, and now they're going to go straight to China instead of going to the United States. So if they do not bring their money to the United States, we don't have that money coming in. We can't sell our products. It furthers the digression of our economy. So we have that starting to develop right now. And if we continue like bring our companies back to the United States, that's just going to cause more and more of this dissension between the world and, and China and uh, the United States and how the economy is going to play out. So if they and they're anticipating raising interest rates another three times this year. Now, a lot of economists have come out and said, well, you have to raise interest rates to be able to control the economy. Um, if you look at Reagan, back when they had the Iran Contra, they had all the stuff out of the 70s, and Reagan stepped in as president, they had a similar issue, but it was, it was different. 
Reagan had to increase interest rates, but he raised it to about 17 to 20% to be able to, to get inflation under control and to get the economy under control. So realistically, we would need to do the same. You know, 17 to 20% is where it needs to be. We're at 1% right now. The problem is they have printed so much money and they've done all these bailouts so much that they, they have to pay interest on all that money that they, they borrowed. So if they continue buying or borrowing money, that pay more interest. The problem is the amount of money that they've already borrowed, if the interest rate is raised to 2.5%, the amount of tax revenue that we pay as American citizens to the government the interest rate payment is going to be more than the tax revenue we collect. So there is no way from an economic standpoint that we can raise interest rates to 17, 20%. Just can't do it. So the way that they fix the economy under Reagan cannot be done now. So they have to figure out some other way of doing this. And what they intend on doing is, is causing um, the deflationary cycle to kick in, which is going to cause people to stop buying products, which means businesses are not going to, be able to hire people. They're not going to be able to sustain the people that they have because they're going to go to their companies that they deal with and negotiate with them. And they're going to drop their prices. So the company you're dealing with can drop their prices, but then people won't have any money to buy anything. And then the cycle continues. This is the, this is called stag deflation. And this is the one economic term that throughout, you know, the last hundred years, the economists have not had the ability to fix and unfortunately, it's the same exact problem that we faced in 2008. So if we never addressed it in 2008 and we did all these bailouts to try to fix it and it didn't fix, now the issue is bigger. And so we have this major issue that is happening that we are going to go through a very difficult period of time because we have to. We, we have to go through recession or it's going to be a complete collapse. And so we need to try to, to remove around that. And that's where, you know, that's where the raise in interest rates is happening is it's starting to push everything down. Now, ultimately, when they push everything down, it'll cause housing prices to go down. It'll cause car prices to go down. It'll cause anything that we have to borrow money to go down because it's going to be more expensive to borrow things. So, that could be good for housing, that could be good for cars, but then people have to have the money to be able to purchase it, and we don't have that right now. So that's kind of where we stemmed on what's going on with the economy and how things are developing. But I, on a completely different spectrum, I, instead of just the economics, um, I actually went to a, a, a town hall meeting today, and it was uh, you know, talking about the new healthcare plan that's being rolled out to re replace Obamacare. And it was, you know, by someone that understands what they're talking about, trying to explain everything to, you know, the population. And they basically explained that if you have, you know, any pre-existing conditions, that uh, you are going to have to find another way of getting health care, either through your employer or you're going to have to purchase it. Uh, because the pre-existing conditions are going to make it very difficult for you to get it because it's going to cost so much. Um, if you're over a certain age, the healthcare is going to get very expensive. So, you know, if you're a baby boomer and you're getting ready for retirement and you're on a fixed income, paying for this healthcare is going to be very difficult for you to do. 
the Goldilocks area is like the healthy Americans, you know, that the 18 to 35, you know, that doesn't have any issues, any pre-existing issues. But anyone outside of that is going to run into issues paying for this. So it's not that it's not going to be allowed. It's just they're not going to have the ability to pay for it. So if we're moving into an economy that is already headed down, that's going to be having some major issues coming up, and then we have a healthcare system that's based on how you can pay for it, we're going to have a large population of people that's going to struggle to pay for their health care. Now, earlier in the introduction, you were talking about these diseases like the plague. And, and I know bird flu is a big thing. Hormel just had a major issue with bird flu with their chickens. So if diseases do spread, and we know according to prophecy that famine and, and pestilence will spread, then health care is going to be a major, major concern for people because they're not going to be able to afford to go to the doctor. They're not going to be able to afford to get anything done. And so that's going to make it very difficult to, to deal with it. So we need to really watch and see how things kind of progress from there. Um, so I got other things to talk about, but I, I figured that would get enough to, to, to get our, uh, our mouth a little wet on things. Well, Clinton, I, you, you said something that really got my attention that Brian and I talked before. And I'm just going to... I mean, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, but this is the way things need to be discussed. Now, let's go back into the archives because you said something that caught my attention. You said 18 to 35-year-olds, right? You did. Yeah, that, you that said was my this. estimation. Well, here we go. Uh, May 24, 2016. This is the headline. For the first time in 130 years, more young adults live with their parents than with partners. And I'm just going to read the first diatribe here. Now, this is from, you know, Pew. So this is real. This is real, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time in more than 130 years, American ages 18 to 34 are more likely to live with their parents than in any other living situation, according to a new analysis by the Pew Research Center. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, Clinton saying that is screaming alarms to me, because this this massively compounds the situation. Uh, that's why, uh, let me just touch on this uh, for a minute. I'm not trying to get off uh, this topic, but we need to understand... This is serious. Now, the un unemployment rate, this is by their own words, ladies and gentlemen. This is from APP, okay, describing the job market in Australia. Jobs market a disaster in February. So there, it says that uh, the unemployment rate is at a 20-year high. Now, we have to take into consideration that there's a whole lot more population now than there was then. So this is some seriously stagging numbers. And then you have very strange things in the news also uh, concerning this. Why on earth would Pope Francis come out and say this? This is the headline. Published AP... Two days ago, Pope Francis warns of a very grave sin when jobs are unjustly cut. And he goes through the diatribe that this is basically what he says. 
the white-collar workers that work in the office and own the stocks, it is a sin for them to cut the blue-collar workers out there on the shop floor that's making them money. Now, all this being said, Clinton, I, I got a very serious question for you. If we have massive unemployment in this 18 to 34-year-old range, and most of those – now, take note. This is from the Pew Research Center, ladies and gentlemen. They're saying that most of the 18 to 34-year-olds cannot get a job to support a family so they have to stay at home with their parents. If that's the only age group that has good health and are able to work – if they can't work, Clinton, aren't we looking at something catastrophic here? I mean, I'm sorry to yeah, we're, drop that on your plate, but am am I seeing this right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're headed for a major, major crisis. Um, if you look at just what the, the baby boomers are, the ones that actually need a large portion of health insurance. I mean, they're getting older. They paid into the system you know, to be able to receive Medicare, Medicaid. And it was very interesting because they, at the beginning of this town hall, they asked everyone, they were like, you know, raise your hand if you get your benefits from your employer. And, you know, about half the room raised their hand. Um, and then they said, okay, so how many of you get your health benefits from Medicare and Medicaid? And about 40% of the people raised their hand. And then they asked, you know, who, uh, you know, purchases it. And just, you know, scattering hand here, hand there. Um, so you have half of the population gets it from their employer. And you have half the population gets it from Medicare, Medicaid, basically. Um, and so the Medicare, Medicaid, they've already talked about they're doing substantial cuts to those programs. And we just had a Medicare expansion in numerous states across the United States. For instance, Colorado is one of them, where I'm from, where now the, the hospitals and the doctors are seeing a boom from people having health insurance to be able to go to the doctors and, and help with this. They're talking about cutting that Medicare and Medicaid expansion, which means all those people that got health benefits from that system are going to lose that. So we have the baby boomers are in jeopardy of losing a substantial portion of their you know, their health care, unless they can pay for it. We have the younger generation that's, you know, below 18 that relies on their parents, and most of them have to get it from their employer. And then you're exactly right, that 18 to 35-year-old, they, they can't really, you know, be put on their health insurance the entire time. They can't find a job. They can't afford it. And those are the people they're supposed to pay for the program. So if those people are supposed to pay for the program – and they don't have the ability to pay for the program, you have a major flaw in the program. Oh my goodness, is that an understatement? Um, because there must be a significant portion of these 18 to 34 year olds that are living with parents that's getting their insurance coverage from Medicaid and Medicare. And ladies and gentlemen, the elderly cannot carry the back of society. Look. look. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Do you not know your history, ladies and gentlemen? 
If we could go back in time and ask Alexander the Great, what would he say? Well, there's only 18 to 34-year-olds that are inducted into my troops. Because they, of course, can be exchanged for marriage, which is exactly what Alexander the Great did. So I'm sitting here looking at the government website. This is their own statistics. So we're cutting 25% from HUD, 50% from education, 25% from justice, 50% from HHS, which is exactly what we're talking about, and we're transferring those funds to – well, let's, let's talk about the Gestapo, shall we? Does everybody know what Homeland Security is? That's not to fight foreign uh, refugees and fishing boats. No, 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 no. Homeland Security is uh, for internal affairs, shall we say. Transporting back in time, that's the Gestapo. That's the, that's the police that police the citizens. And... I'm looking right at the government website. There's no sense in debating this. I'm looking at it. So, know how to put this in a good light at all when this this is this is insane. The amount of money being taken from. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ladies and gentlemen, um, let me explain something to you. All the money's being taken out of the public sector, okay? Like the Department of Labor, the Department of Agriculture, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, Justice, Energy, and this is where it's going. It's going to the National Nuclear Security Administration, Homeland Security, Defense, and I love how they put on here Veterans Affairs. Do not insult my intelligence. If you think your veterans are going to be helped one iota, you're seriously deceived. That's going to go, of course... For the doctors to get all raises. That's what it'll go for. And give me six months. I'll bring uh, any number of disabled veterans that I know and prove that to you. So, Clinton, you, you really have gotten my attention. Uh, this this can go nowhere good. It it can literally go nowhere good. I mean, just looking at their own numbers, you see, well, it, it's probably a good thing that it's going to transportation. You would think, looking at this, uh, that transportation would be good. But, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you <clears throat> bring up the Indianapolis Amtrak station? Because the Constantina wire is going the wrong way. 
you do know that that come out of the budget for transportation. They pre-made that, pre-designed that to be a concentration camp. I'm not lying. I've been there multiple times. The concertina wire faces the wrong way. And I hope everybody realizes that. That walls and and fences built... Are you sure they're trying to keep people out? Or trying to keep people in? So, to me, um, it's very disturbing what Clinton is talking about. And, and, and I do need to get his take on this because uh, this was sent to me about uh, the debt ceiling that happened this week. And it got my attention because I like the facts. Give me the facts. That's what I want. Well, it was very strange that this debt ceiling was on March the 15th when this is the 50th anniversary of the Zionist seizure of Jerusalem. It's also the 50th anniversary of the attack on the USS Liberty. It's the 100th anniversary for the Balfour Declaration, which is also the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution. Which is also the 100th anniversary of the U.S. being deceived into World War I. It's also the 100th anniversary of the Schofield Reference Bible birthed Christian Zionism. We already talked about that event horizon uh, in the opening diatribe there with the Plymouth uh, Brethren. It's the 300th anniversary of the first Freemasonic Grand Lodge. It's the 500th anniversary of the Catholic-Protestant split, which was the event horizon for the divide-and-conquer mechanism that has been perfectly executed upon the church. So, Clinton, please, um, please tell me if I'm way off base. Or if maybe something else was planned, because Brian may mention to me that March the 15th was awful quiet, and actually March the 16th had major episodes. But your your thoughts on these anniversaries and, and what I said about the, redistribu- the redistribution of wealth from the people to the military, what's, what's your thoughts on that, please? Well, the 15th was very quiet uh, compared to what's supposed to be. Uh, There's supposed to be three events uh, that all happened at the same time on the 15th. Uh, One was the Fed was supposed to raise interest rates, which they did. They raised it uh, a quarter of a percent. Um, Also on the 15th was when the debt ceiling was supposed to expire. Um, I guess uh, a year ago, um, they did want to approve uh, the budget. So Obama and the head of the House um, came up with a proposal that they would just approve it to kick it down a year and that the new president would be the one in charge of the budget. Well, that's the budget that's supposed to have happened on the 15th. If they do not come up with the budget, then in an essence, the government shuts down. And what that means is federal workers will not receive a paycheck. So, I mean, you can go to work. You're just not going to get paid. So 
most people really don't go to work because they don't get paid. So until they pass a, a budget, they have to run on the existing cash. Um, and I've heard different reports, you know, saying that, you know, there's 480 billion and then they've spent this and that and this and that. So in an essence, they're down to basically $66 billion in cash. Um, and unfortunately they use, uh, that, that's enough cash to sustain the government until Memorial Day. Uh, once Memorial Day passes, if they do not have a budget put in place, the government has no more cash. They have to come up with something else. So they basically have to come up with something. And with all the spending that we want to do with the military, all the expansions with roads and bridges and our infrastructure and everything that Trump wants to do is he wants to increase the budget incredibly substantially to, to a, a point that I, I, is ridiculous. So if we approve that amount, then they're going to have to print more money, which is going to cause this cycle to get even bigger and even worse. If they don't approve that amount, everything shuts down and then the people that don't want to show up to work don't show up to work. That's the second thing that's supposed to happen. They, the official deadline they made at the 16th, and I believe that that passed and nothing has happened yet. So it's going to be very interesting how everything transpires on Monday, um, which is Monday is an interesting day as well, but I'll talk about that in a second. But the third thing that they're supposed to have is they were supposed to announce Brexit. And the, the uh, UK was supposed to officially, in writing, tell the European Union that they were going to pull apart um, from, from them. Um, the parliament gave the prime minister the approval to do so. The queen gave her approval to do so. They just didn't do it on the 15th. So, so we have the stage set and they're kind of pushing everything off, which leads us to Monday, which is when they're supposed to release information on this investigation they've been having with Trump and Russia. And they're supposed to talk with the intelligence committee and we're supposed to know for more information there. So we have this, this fighting that's starting to happen, and we have all these things that are basically just the balls being dropped. They're not being addressed. They're not being handled. And it seems like there's no real urgency to push these items through, but there's urgency to push everything else through. And if they're not willing to, to fix our money, to fix our economy, then the other stuff really doesn't matter that much. When the anniversaries well, we I, have, we have, oh, sorry about the, the, the anniversaries you were talking about. Um, there, there's one other thing that I want to just uh, bring up as well, which is uh, I found this in the Denver Post, and it's actually from the Washington Post. And I'll just, you know, say the title, and it says, The first solar eclipse to cross America in 99 years is coming, and to some it's an act of God. So, so what they're saying in this article is that there's an eclipse that happens on August 21st that goes from Oregon through to South Carolina. And it's unique because most time when they have an eclipse, only a portion of Earth is, is covered, most of it's water, because the Earth is mostly water. So it's really, really unique to have this happen. Well, that happens on the 21st of August. It hasn't happened for 99 years. But seven years later, uh, a solar eclipse happens again, the only thing is it, it goes diagonal the opposite way, which makes a giant X over the United States. So when you look at these other anniversaries, you look at September 23rd and signs in the heaven on that, and you look at this giant X that they just found made from solar eclipses, these anniversaries, it seems like they all 
fits that 2017 is a very, very important year to be watching what's going on. Amen to that. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about those celestial events. Uh, We might even do a special broadcast on it. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, but you just sent me a Skype, and I don't know how to quantify that. So can you please clarify what you're talking about here? Because you didn't send me a link, Clinton. You, you, you sent me a quote. So uh, can you elaborate on that before we get Brian in the saddle here? Yeah, not a problem. It, uh, I, I had it on my phone, and uh, basically that it goes back to the healthcare system that we're talking about. And the, the title is Employees Who Decline Genetic Testing could face penalties under proposed law. And this article is from the Chicago Tribune. And it basically says that the, there's a House committee um, that approved last week a law, and if it makes it through Congress and Senate, it will enable employees to do genetic testing on the, to get health care. And if you refuse to do the genetic testing, it's not like they say, hey, you can't have health care. What they do is they just raise your premiums by 30%. So for the average American, that only equates to about you know, $5,600 a year more that you ought to pay for if you do not do this genetic testing. Yes, but there's plenty of dormant genes that – I mean, you could have some genetic diseases like you know your grandma had it. You don't actually have it, but they'd automatically jack you up 30%. I mean, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, <clears throat> let me tell you something really live and really <laughs> late-breaking and local. I know a police officer. He just decided to come back to his job here locally. Because he described something that I couldn't believe what he was saying. But he took a new job in a different state. He gets there, and his check was like $27 a week. He, of course, goes to the finance department. No, those are all mandatory deductions. And he's like, I'm working 50 hours a week. I don't – you want me to do what? So, of course, he worked two weeks and quit his job. He had to. He was literally getting paid $27 a week. This is law enforcement. They literally had his mandatory deductions. They just took his whole check from him. Now, I don't know if they were expecting him to get all of his money underneath the table like they do, you know, like Chicago cops do and New York cops, I don't know, but this can't be going anywhere good. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there's all kinds of genetic diseases you can have and not manifest. I mean, there's just because uh, I have a redheaded gene in my family, I assure you, I have brown hair. But you realize if they just decided to say, if you've got redheaded gene, or if you've got a brown eye gene, 
we're going to jack you up 30%. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, give me a break. Off the charts. Brian, um, oh my goodness, we've been on for 53 minutes. Uh, jump in here and uh, get this switched up a bit. I know you've got plenty uh, that you're wanting to discuss, and I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut for the rest of the broadcast because I know you're just chomping at the bit here. So, Brian, get in here and take us in a different direction because my head's spinning. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you you cannot under any circumstance have genetic testing mandatory. You can't. For one, Unless you can't trust a single thing. You can't trust a single thing they say. Brian, sorry. Go ahead. Well, unless they're trying to completely get a DNA database. I mean, a lot of criminal investigations, they will hit a brick wall because they don't have any genetic material to compare it with if they're not already in the system. So that very well might be more of kind of what's hidden behind the scenes here of the real motivations for doing something like that because... Otherwise, it makes no sense. You can have a billion recessive genes that lead to nothing that in no way, shape, or form should that somehow jack up your insurance rates, which, you know, mind you on top of it as well, right before this uh, legislation started going through, that's exactly what these companies started doing was they started jacking their rates again. And this was something that the initial health care initiative was supposed to help rein in before because most people's major bills come from medical. And that was the whole attempted fix here was to try to bring those things down and to normalize them. But now this is just, it's all been completely thrown out the window. I mean, this whole administration has been built upon one lie after another. He said he was going to do one thing and he does the complete opposite. And it's just literally out of control. We had the budget that was released just in this last week here. Everything that had anything to do with any kind of humanitarian aid was absolutely sliced so that they could put $9.5 billion more in defense spending. Well, folks, if you've looked at the graphs, considering what is spent in the United States of America for defense alone, compared to all the rest of the nations of the world, it is utterly insane. So why do we need another $9.5 billion and at the same time we cut off all humanitarian aid of any sort? Now, how many people caught the little um, fiasco that went on yesterday with Angela Merkel's meeting with uh, Donald Trump? Because he completely disrespected her and did it in front of everybody and had no qualms whatsoever about doing it. Now, yes, she's the chancellor of Germany, but she is also considered the de facto leader of the European Union. And he literally snubbed the entire European Union right in front of the entire world yesterday. And I've stated this time and time again, folks, you need to look for two things. The power of Saudi Arabia is going to wane, and so is the European Union. Now, Saudi Arabia... We've seen it slowly losing control just with the amount that oil has been flooding the market. They're, you know, they basically had stated they had pretty much gone bankrupt last year. And there were deals that were made 
over the course of the last year here that they were going to start naturalizing the amount of oil that was going to be brought out. Then in this last week, I'm starting to see reports that, well, Saudi Arabia decided to break those rules and slammed it with a bunch more barrels. And I can't, it's in the close to like a million-something barrels of oil worldwide are being flooded into the market as we speak. Now, technically speaking, those prices for gas should be lowering even more, and certain places have started to do that. But, you know, I brought this up last week. We're at the same spot. At the time of Solomon, silver was worth nothing. Oil is getting to the very same spot, and when that's been the one thing that has pretty much been one of the controlling factors of the economy, and now all of a sudden there's so much of it, it's just leading things towards a very, very uh, bad place of unrest. And I mean, I think that's kind of sums up this last week as a whole. I mean, let's see. How many events have we had take place throughout the week that were fairly major? Um, my news feed is just chock full of them right now. I mean, let's see here. We had a protest that broke out in Naples last week. Uh, we had protests that broke out in Georgia. See, Palestinians are marching, demanding Abbas's um, reign over Israel ties. And we have definitely conflicting information coming out about a meeting with uh, the Palestinian leader, Abbas, with Trump, where they're also stating the embassy's not going to be moved. So who knows what's going on there? We had a release that came out as well with the uh, great big meeting that happened in Istanbul, Turkey, which is entitled How Hamas is Winning Hearts and Minds in Europe. Iran sets up underground rocket facilities in Lebanon, which is uh, with the Hezbollah there. Open up Gaza or it will explode. Hamas threatens Israel. See here, uh, And I mean, too, just uh, while I'm scrolling through some of this stuff, folks, we just had a airstrike that went into Syria this week. And as they were, basically the planes were coming out, uh, Syria had fired anti-aircraft at the planes and then immediately threatened Israel with further consequences for that strike. Let's see, there's been massive, massive fighting with uh, Erdogan and the entirety of the European Union at this stage. As last weekend, um, I believe it was in, it was the Dutch embassy, I believe. I can't recall exactly offhand, but they barred entrance from an ambassador from Turkey into that embassy. And all heck broke loose, and it is really getting heated with Erdogan now with the rest of the European Union. And folks, if he if he breaks that refugee deal, essentially what is going to happen is he's going to open the floodgates and that is just going to bring the economy of the European Union to, into an utter state of collapse. Now recall what I said before about the waning of the European Union. Now we have basically the perfect storm sitting on the horizon in that area. 
I'm going to take a break here for a moment. Very good. We are at the top of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, so it is time for us to take a six-minute, 49-second break. We'll be back after that. Until then, I strongly suggest that you consider what it is that you believe. You know, ladies and gentlemen, just about every Christian says they believe the Bible But that never really was the question. The question is, do they get to know it? Listening to the End Time Tribune, where we loudly proclaim the Bible, God's holy word. The word of God 
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. We're your host, uh, Brian and Clinton and Matthew. Welcome you back. Uh, it is a great honor and a privilege for us to be able to get together as time runs out. I'm quite sure exactly where this is all heading, but everything we've discussed thus far is not pointing to any good place. It's just not. Uh, Brian, did you want to jump right back in the saddle and uh, give us some more news that you wanted to cover? Or shall I uh, bring something up? Uh, Go ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I really did want to address this uh, concerning the end times because this doesn't normally happen. And... I'm sure that this is the first time you're hearing this. Um, I just, the Holy Spirit just kind of tells me every now and again what to search for. This came out today. In the newspaper, this is the headline. We have nothing to hide. Christian group reveals all about huge meeting in Matson. This is out of the UK, of course. A global religious group have spoken out about why hundreds of people were brought to a meeting in Matson yesterday morning. Private security teams were seen directing scores of vehicles heading to the Wheat Ridge Gospel Hall in Matson Lane, hosted by the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. The hour-long meeting was initially shrouded in secrecy when security at the building refused to give any details. But the brethren say they have nothing to hide, and it was simply a normal religious meeting. Glenn Stacy, spokesman for the brethren, said it was a standard Christian meeting where pages of the Bible were read and discussed. We invited people from surrounding churches, such as Bristol, Swindon, Chippingham and stow the word. It was just bringing other churches together to discuss scripture. Let me add to this. Ladies and gentlemen, they're exclusive. Those churches I just named were other Plymouth Brethren churches. But anyway, let let me continue. Mr. Stacy said security provided by Advanced One were there to direct traffic and to protect vehicles after a group of travelers had shown interest in the site. Yesterday was only the second time in the last ten years that such a meeting has been organized by the Brethren in the UK, Mr. Stacy said. The Plymouth Brethren are an evangelical Christian movement whose roots can be traced in Dublin, Ireland in the late 1820s. Of course, in clear reference to Darby. I find it very interesting uh, that they included in this article, who are the Plymouth Brethren and what do they believe? Brethren go to church every day in their own purpose-built churches, such as the Wheat Ridge Gospel Hall. 
it's here that they reveal to you that yes, the above list, this this church was in that list. It was exclusive to Plymouth Brethren. The Bible is treated in a way of life and code of conduct. Brethren awaiting the coming of Christ to judge the living and the dead and rapture those who have been saved into heaven. Uh, but they do not believe it is only brethren who are in heaven. Many brethren uh, do not own televisions and forbid their children from watching TV due to its corrupting influence. Children stay with their families until they are married. The husband is regarded as the main breadwinner for the family. While the main role of wives is to care for the husband and children, the brethren say many women in its church are partners and directors of family businesses. Many children go to purpose-built brethren schools, and adults set up family businesses. Some brethren do not eat with non-members of the church. Mr. Stacy said, there's lots of myths out there because we're a Christian organization and we keep ourselves to ourselves. There is sometimes some negativity with no grounds of foundation. We've got nothing to hide as a church, an organization. Well, that must be the most grandiose lie of the century when you hire Advanced One for security in advance. Now, I am extremely intimately familiar with the Plymouth Brethren. Uh, they are wholly exclusive, of course, and they wholeheartedly believe that if you're not a part of uh, the Brethren, you will most undoubtedly burn in hell, just like the Church of Christ and other such said churches, which, yes, I've had very personal relationship with some of their pastors. Uh, because where are you going to go if you want to riddle the Word of God? Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I find this extremely alarming. The brethren don't normally do this. And it means that they themselves believe that something is certainly at hand. Now, that being the case, uh, there's another article, and, and Brian and I discussed this before the broadcast. Um, who knows? Uh, I may get in some serious trouble with uh, Brian later. So I'm not going to elaborate on it too much, but this is the headline. Secular Israeli Ashkenazim are yearning for their Messiah's second coming. Now that all in itself, ladies and gentlemen, should speak volumes. I also shared last week that the yeshiva student enrollment has doubled here of late. A clear sign for the church that God fully intends to keep his promise to the sons of Zadok. Whether the dispensationalists like it or not, that is what God said. So, Something is, is seriously afoot 
Let me break away from that for just a minute because I do need to cover some climate change. Uh, people wanted me to make sure that I got to this. And I know we're really burning through time here. We've only got like 45 minutes left. Uh, this is the headline. Scientists issue climate change alert for Australia's Great Barrier Reef. And the picture they display in this article is – I've never seen anything like it because there's dried coral that's all over the beach at Lady Elliot Island uh, north of Queensland. And it, it's – I've never seen anything like it. Um, let me read just a, a minute here from this article. Straight out of Sydney, <clears throat> new researchers warn that Australia's Great Barrier Reef uh, can be saved only if urgent steps are taken to tackle climate change. The study published in the journal Nature, which yes, I did look over its data says parts of the world's uh, coral system will never fully recover from repeated bleaching caused by spikes in the water temperature. They say that last year's bleaching of large parts of the reef was the worst on record. There's evidence that a similar event is going to occur this year. So we're already kicked off to a pretty good start, I guess. Corals uh, begin to starve once they bleach, the main cause of which is heat stress resulting from high sea temperatures. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've got some serious things that we need to be concerned with. Now, I lightly mentioned this uh, before, but once again, uh, you know that once a week, I, I scan the news for plague. And this article says it, – it, it says crazy things because I had no idea uh, what was unfolding. This is right out of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, the headline, to aid ferrets, vaccine treats planned for prairie dogs. Feeding peanut butter kibbles to millions of prairie dogs – by flinging the treats from four-wheelers and dropping them from drones could be the next big, big thing to help the spunky little weasel that almost went extinct. Slinky with a rubber-like black mask across its eyes, the endangered black-footed ferret is a fierce predator. The up to two-foot-long weasel feeds almost exclusively on prairie dogs. Rodents that live in vast colonies regularly decimated by plague outbreaks. That a disease keeps threatening the food supply of the ferrets, bred in captivity and reinduced into the landscape. Biologists are increasingly optimistic that feeding plague vaccine to prairie dogs can improve the ferret success rate. It goes on to describe how all the prairie dogs have been wiped out by the plague. And this is the first I've ever heard of it. And I continually scan explicitly for plague. Now, just so everybody knows, uh, this is right out of Colorado. 
um, it's in Bloomfield, uh, Colorado. Uh, the city of Bloomfield reported its first case of the plague for the season on Friday. It says uh, the Bloomfield Public Health and Environment officials reported the plague activity as related to a prairie dog die-off near the Great Western Reservoir open space. So here you go. And, and I wanted to bring this up for a reason because, ladies and gentlemen, why, why was we just told about this? Now, this article was, marched, was released on the 17th, and so was the one I just read. And I did a, a history search. I couldn't find where the officials in Colorado had ever warned their people that there was massive plague outbreaks killing all, all the prairie dogs. It's like we got this all in the same instance. It's like they only wanted to tell you because the ferret population had been decimated. Now, this goes into something else, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have already made multiple mentions of the simple fact that an Apache helicopter had turned a boat of women and children refugees into Swiss cheese. There's a major problem with this, with the timing of the articles, because at the same time, ladies and gentlemen, on... Inside Defense, it was released that Boeing gets 3.3 billion Apache helicopter sale to Saudi Arabia. And they begin the article with a correction. The contract modification originally announced on March 15, 2017 for the Boeing company, Mesa, Arizona, inaccurately identified the modification solely as a foreign military cell contract for Saudi Arabia. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Both the articles that I got, ladies and gentlemen, concerning these refugees being turned into Swiss cheese by Apache helicopters, that was the problem in both those articles. One was from Reuters, and I can't remember where the other one was from, but they wouldn't tell you who owned the Apache helicopter. Of course it was Americans. So don't you realize that the only reason why they released this article, ladies and gentlemen, was they told you after the fact that they got rid of the murder weapon. Okay, right here it is. MSN. More than 40 refugees dead in attack on boat off Yemen. And, 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 and this is dated March 17th, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. They knew what the American people should do. Immediately call for Senate inquiry to find out who needs to be court-martialed. Who had murdered these refugees? Well, now we can't do that because we sold the murder weapon to the Saudis. On to more outbreak news. 500 cases of neurovirus reported in small California district. Um, a small school district in Oxnard has been hit with hundreds of cases of neurovirus, CBS Los Angeles reports. 
I did want to cover this before I pass this back off. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is clearly preparing for World War III. This come out today. British troops land in Estonia for NATO mission to deter Russia. Of course, the picture plainly displays the Green Berets of just exactly the origin of these 800 British troops. I work with them boys in Korea. I know those Berets. These aren't regular troops, ladies and gentlemen. This is the British Special Forces. This is going nowhere good, and it's going to World War III. We're redirecting the funds. The whole nine yards, this is this is playing out. Brian, you want to jump back in here, or shall we pass off to Clinton for a few? I'm sitting here ready, so, I mean, I don't know if we Lock covered this one last yeah. week. We had an article yeah, that came out on the 10th of March on Friday. World War Three is coming, and it essentially goes into list, you know, everything that's going on in the world wars, uh, the world stage. Cold War, number two, most definitely. Middle East geopolitics, Asia Pacific, and, you know, that just kind of touches on the tip of the iceberg, folks, because, yeah, that covers it broadly, but nonetheless, there's a lot more to the um, we'll touch on, as they put it, Middle East geopolitics here first. Revolutionary Guard Commander Hezbollah more prepared than ever to attack Israel. This was released on the 14th of March. Um, let's go on to this next one here. We've warned about this one before, folks. Once again, it hit the news on the 13th of March. Chinese officials expressed jitters over jihadi threats. Xinjiang, regional leaders say country has become destabilized by international anti-terror situation calls for a people's war. Beijing, Chinese officials are issuing new warnings about the specter of global religious extremism seeping into the country following reports of fighters from China's Muslim minority fighting alongside militants in Syria and Iraq. Sharkat Ahan, a top political and legal affairs party official in Xinjiang on Sunday, became the latest official from a predominantly Muslim region to warn about China becoming destabilized by the international anti-terror situation and calling for a people's war. Over the past year, regional leaders in Xinjiang, home to the Igar, or Igar, Ethnic minority have ramped up surveillance measures and police patrols and staged massive rallies intended to showcase the power of the security forces. Leave it simple, folks. Kings of the East. We touched on this last week before the end of the show. This was released on the 14th. EU and NATO looking in the wrong Place immediate danger in the Balkans. Western Balkans, as they fretted over where, after Ukraine, they would confront the next challenge from Vladimir Putin's Russia, the EU and NATO may have been looking in the wrong place. 
The most immediate danger now lies not in the Baltic states of Northeast Europe, but in the Southeast, in the Balkans, the Financial Times CDM reports. Since the 1990s post-Yugoslav War, two main factors have helped stabilize the Western Balkans. One was the prospect, however, distance of joining the EU. This has encouraged Democrats' reforms. The hopes has been the EU membership would ultimately cement reconciliation between the people of the Balkans. The other stabilizing force was U.S. support and the assumption that the U.S. and NATO would intervene if conflict were to reemerge, as they did in Bosnia in 1995 and Kosovo in 1999, FT adds. But amid the crisis of Eurozone debt, Middle East refugees, Brexit, and the rising populist nationalism, EU enlargement for now seems dead, the British newspaper says. And I'll cut off there. There's much more to this article. But that last paragraph said a whole heck of a lot, folks. And remember that now as we look at what's been happening in Ukraine. New age of nationalism in Ukraine poses threat to its closest neighbors. Let me move forward up to these other ones here. UN Human Rights released this. New Ukraine report, sharp escalation of hostilities has worsened, suffering in all aspects of civilian life. And actually, that other one was right above that. Ukraine on the 15th announces economic blockade of rebel-held territory. Next round of Syria peace talks in Astana, which is in Kazakhstan, folks, is scheduled in May. We had several attacks in varied places. We had a suicide bombing in Damascus. We had three different attacks in France, one of them happening actually today, which I have yet to see any more details on that one. That's more there about... Things going on in Turkey. Okay, I already touched on that one. Okay, that was brought up earlier. The Russian ties and the Trump campaign. And why do I have a feeling that's going to get brushed under the rug? And I, I guess I'll stop there as I go ahead. I, I want to get your 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 take on this while we talk about uh, some of those things. This was uh, released in Sputnik. Turkish Foreign Minister: Holy wars will soon begin in Europe. Now, my question is this: because out of the other side of the mouth, this was released in the Telegraph. Yesterday, Brian, Erdogan calls for Turkish families in Europe to have five children to protect against injustices. Um, You mentioned earlier about opening the floodgates into Europe. 
it would seem that he's already prepping for it with the people that's already been placed on the ground in the EU. He makes himself perfectly clear in this article, uh, Brian. He makes himself perfectly clear. Um, statements coming out a veritable one is just off the charts. The EU has lost us, and they have lost big time. Uh, with their behavior, they have lost a country as developed as Turkey. Now, Turkish ministers have said several times in recent weeks that they were thinking about tearing up a deal with the EU to stop immigrants and refugees from Syria heading to Europe. So, Brian, you mentioning them opening up the floodgates, now Erdogan has publicly called everyone that's already there, whether legally or illegally, to have at least five children apiece. So, ladies and gentlemen, this can't be going anywhere good. Um, and I wanted to mention this before I drag Clinton back in here because he seems to have gotten away with being quiet and me and Brian have to do all the talking. This is of serious concern, ladies and gentlemen. This is the headline straight from USA Today. Russia seeks to declare Jehovah's Witness an extremist group. The Russian Justice Ministry is trying to shut down the religion's headquarters in that country, calling it an extremist organization. Now, ladies and gentlemen, they always start somewhere, don't they? Extremism, and this is a direct quote, extremism is deeply alien to the Bible-based beliefs and morality of Jehovah's Witness, the statement said. Persecution of the faithful for peaceful anti-extremism legislation is built on frank fraud. Incompetent individual experts and as a result, a miscarriage of justice. Ah, yes. I know what this is, ladies and gentlemen, and it has begun. It's called scapegoating. You can see a whole lot more of this coming your way in the future. Now, I appreciate this is in Russia. But it really didn't start there because Brian already brought up to you several weeks ago the simple fact that they were already doing this to a particular group there, and the group was retaliating by joining ISIS. As the established government there in the Kings of the East region are getting a good dose of their own nationalism too, and they're quite fed up with the establishment, quite fed up indeed. But you can see this bleeding over everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's crazy uh, how this national extremism, no matter where it's at, is breaking out. And some of the comments made by the leaders is absolutely off the charts to me. Uh, let me go back to Twitter. 
And by the way, um, let me remember to do that. Uh, if you want to hook up with all the news that we're covering, uh, it's In Time Tribune on Twitter. And of course, Brian has one over there too. Um, Bands of Time. And Clinton has one, just as his name. He's really easy to find. Um, it's really important. Oh, I feel like a. I can't find it. Um, too far down the list. But this politician comes out. Oh, here it is. Uh, this is what the Dutch premier said. Okay, and what he says is off the charts. He says, remember the Brexit. We all thought that would never happen. Remember the U.S. elections. Mark Root told reporters in Rotterdam. So let's not make that mistake again. These elections are crucial. Let us stop the domino effect right this week, this Wednesday. The domino effect of the wrong sort of populism winning in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, what an idiot. He just shot himself in the foot. Elections are supposed to be about the popular vote. It's supposed to be populism that elects every official in every country. And this is the kind of stuff coming out of these politicians' mouths, because they are the establishment. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you don't get on the ballot ticket unless you're part of the system. doesn't matter if you're in Russia or China. Not, none of that stuff matters. Clinton, why don't you jump here in the saddle and uh, talk about either some news you want to cover or what the Brian and I covered. Either one. Jump back in here. Yeah, not a problem. Um, you know, I, I think it's great that we're talking about the, the buildup of World War III and the breakup of the European Union. And, and when we're talking about the breakup of the European Union, I wanted to throw out kind of a weird little twist as well. Um, two years ago, Scotland had uh, a vote for their independence, and they voted against it to uh, basically secede from the U.K., um, now that this whole Brexit thing is happening, Scotland, um, who the majority of Scotland, 62% of the people in Scotland voted to stay as part of the EU. So now they're pushing to have another vote so that they can actually secede from the UK or stay away from the UK and stay as part of the EU. So we, this whole thing with Brexit is just beginning. And we can see the breakup of the European Union along with, you know, Francis Macedonia. Um, you know, you guys have talked numerous times uh, about what's going on with there and how the different uh, factions within uh, uh, Macedonia, how they're all basically starting to fight against each other and how that's all starting to break apart. And then you throw Erdogan into the mix as well, where he's calling uh, the Netherlands uh, basically Nazis, saying that they were involved in... Um, you know, 8,000 uh, people within uh, the Bastia that were massacred um, because they stood back and didn't do anything. And so, you know, Erdogan is like poking the bear to try to cause destabilization in that area to bring down the EU and, and to bring everything to its knees. Um, another area that I focus a lot of time on um, is looking at Taiwan and looking at the South China Sea. Um, Taiwan actually came out, and this was uh, actually Yahoo News that reported this one, that uh, Taiwan said that they are capable of a strike against China. 
and started off saying Taiwan for the first time publicly that is capable of launching missiles at China as the government on Thursday unveiled a major defense report warning of increased risk of Chinese invasion. Now, we know that the United States for a long time has taken a stance that we support Taiwan without really saying we support Taiwan. We've sold them numerous uh, amounts of, well, weaponry and, and weapons to be able to defend themselves. And we've always had an unwritten rule that we would support Taiwan if China tried doing anything. Well, now with everything that's developing with Taiwan and having them say that they are capable of attacking China, we have this whole area starting to get really destabled. Um, we also have um, the uh, Rex Tillerman, Secretary of State, came out and said that military action against North Korea is on the table. And we, we found out that um, just crazy warfare that North Korea has been shooting missiles, but we've been hacking into the missiles to cause them to crash. And that's why North Korea shot four missiles at the same time at Japan to see if we could hack all four of them at the same time. I mean, this, this type of warfare that we're thinking about just just blows your mind. And, and you, it's hard to even kind of wrap your head around hacking into missiles so that way they crash. But that's kind of where we're at. And we can see the stages being set for the United States to do something against North Korea. We see the stages being set for Taiwan and Japan with the help of the United States to maybe do something against China. We see the stage in Syria where Assad came out and said, you know, that the troops that they pretty much agreed upon for the United States to send 2,000 Marines into Syria, that those are now invaders. And they call the Marines that we have in Syria invaders. So this whole thing with Assad and Syria is, and, and Israel thrown in the mix is really, really starting to go sour quickly. And that's why it's so important to really see what is going on and pay attention to that. And then just Israel itself, we can see, is understanding this as they have basically closed down their borders and said that if you come out publicly and say something negative against Israel, they're not going to allow you into the country. And, and they've done that on a couple different occasions with some bigger name people not allowing them the country or not allowing them to move to Israel because of their stance against so the stage is definitely set for World War III, for the economic crisis, for, for everything to hit on a global scale pretty much at the same time. Well, that makes sense to me because, well, everything that's basically you know, produced on this planet comes out of the East, right? I mean... Yeah, that, that's a... Here. That's exactly it. I mean, China produces most of the stuff. Let me pick up my coffee cup, yeah? It sure does. It's made in China. So, Clinton, we're in agreement that South Korea produces a whole lot. North Korea produces a whole lot. China produces a whole lot. Japan produces a whole lot, especially of electronics. So, Clinton, uh, it looks like to me that hacking missiles, that would have everybody scared. 
Because, ladies and gentlemen, if they can make a missile crash, don't you understand that the Taiwanese know that at the flip of the switch, a Taiwanese missile could be turned around in flight and retargeted on Taiwanese soil. Don't you understand? That's what Clinton was really saying. Once you have the technology to hack a weapon system and redirect it, nobody wins. Now, because these kings of the East, they're all producers. They're not like us in the West. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Whether that's voluntary or not, because it's quite obvious from the Pew Research Center that our producers, which is ages 18 to 34, they can't get a job to even have the opportunity to make anything anyway. So it chills me to the bone to know that as soon as Clinton said it, it reminded me of something. He said he got some news off of Yahoo News because the baby thing that Erdogan said, it was said first by a Iowa representative. And I couldn't find it anywhere except on Yahoo News. This is the headline, March the 12th. Purim. Republican Steve King, we can't restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. Ladies and gentlemen, let me read this very short article. Iowa Representative Steve King is facing fierce backlash over a tweet critics say is an open embrace of white nationalism. On Sunday, King retweeted a political cartoon featuring Greet Wilbers, a Dutch politician whose anti-Muslim rhetoric and blown-out hairstyle have drawn plenty of comparisons to Donald Trump. The cartoon depicts Wilders, chairman of the far-right Party of Freedom, a member of the Dutch Parliament, plugging a hole in a wall, protecting Western civilization as a flood of water bearing the star and crescent symbol of Islam comes crashing over the top. This is his tweet. Wilders understands that culture and demographics are destiny, King wrote on Twitter. We can't restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. So if you were really mad at Erdogan, you need to put that in your back pocket. This came out of an American conservative representative. Ladies and gentlemen, this ain't this ain't good. This this is not good. It tells me that publicly this wave of nationalism, which is which is represented by the first seal, the first writer. They're getting together publicly. A nationalistic Iowa representative 
is quoting and supporting the Dutch far-right chairman of the Party for Freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this, this isn't going anywhere good. Not anywhere good. Uh, Clinton, your, your, your thoughts on that, I guess, uh, because that's the way I see it. I'm sorry, but I do. No, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you, and and uh, it's it's getting it's getting very very crazy to kind of just watch and see everything develop. Um, we're heading through a time that that's going to be very difficult to to really see what's going on and what the truth is. Um, I mean, the fact that you can't even find legitimate articles in numerous different sources and you have to dig as much as you you are to find information it is beginning harder. Um, and that's just showing kind of the, the, the deception that we have in the world and, and how information is being held and how we're seeing everything moving the, the direction it is. With the rise of nationalism, we, we see it happening everywhere. I mean, everywhere. You look, every country is starting to be more nationalistic. And this extreme you know, right that is rising is kind of scary because you see it happening all the way through Europe. And you see it happening within the United States as well. You see the, the protests that are happening and how they're turning violent. You, you see people that are being so passionate about their stance that they refuse to look or challenge where they're at or what is going on. And, and that leads to a very dangerous place in our, our history because every time that nationalism has rose, not to this extent, but just risen, it has caused war. And we see the stage being set for war, and we see nationalism rising to do so, and we know that's the beginning. So if that's the beginning, then this is only going to continue, and it's only going to get more and more extreme as things get here. Well... You know, the whole idea of extremism, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's talk about this one. Um, just released on Herat's. Palestinians urge the EU to stop holding official meetings with Israel in Jerusalem. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord your God has told you full well in advance what would be the cup of trembling. As the U.S. mall's moving embassy... EU is urged to stop passive policy on Israeli actions in East Jerusalem, hold meetings with Israelis only in Tel Aviv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is all ratcheting up. It's all ratcheting up. Um, we've already told you last week, or maybe it was a week before, that now we're having an inversion of the highway prophecy that the Lord would create highways for uh, the children of Israel to go home. That's been inverted, and now they're doing that with the Palestinians. Palestinians abroad are being offered highways back to the state of Israel. This is a powder keg with about ten different fuses in it. Every which way I look, this is this is just a powder keg waiting to happen. 
the politicians know it. Everybody seems to know it that this is not going anywhere good. Um, I do want to lightly cover some more Earth changes because we're down to seven minutes, and I want to make sure I covered uh, these two things. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I got this. I can't. I can't read it because it's in Russian. But there was a massive uh, sinkhole in Russia this past week. Just phenomenally off the charts to watch this video. Of course, you can't understand what's being said because it's from Russians. But uh, the sinkhole was absolutely gargantuan, and watching it was just leaving me breathless. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, also we have uh, serious cracks forming uh, in this uh, subdivision out in California um, to the point where the entire subdivision has had to be evacuated. And they have kept this massively underneath the rug. And when I did a search for it, I could only find two or three, once again, local local newspapers talking about it, and it just blew me away. I'm like, why isn't this all over the news? Why isn't this all over the news? I mean, you have a subdivision evacuated, and it doesn't get on CNN? Absolutely off the charts. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, the signs are everywhere. They're cropping up everywhere. They're every which way that I look, every which way that I turn. There they are. So, Brian, why don't you jump in here and give us your closing thoughts, uh, your closing concerns for the week, please. You go first, and then uh, we'll have Clinton give his closing thoughts. Well, I mean, to touch on what was brought up earlier, you made mention of the, uh, quote-unquote, this is heading towards a holy war. Um, Erdogan, Yolan had warned that Erdogan is seeking to be a neo-Ottoman empire. This uh, report came out on the 15th of this week. And, you know, folks, I really hate to point out something and be a bit of a Captain Obvious here at the moment, but with these groups that are leaning towards nationalism, they are atypically called the far right. And in the United States, the far right is aligned with whom? Folks, what they are telling you is that you're going to see the rise of crusaders, and you're going to see the rise, we've already seen the rise of those that they fought against in the Middle Ages, so it's a pretty serious warning, folks. And that's where this is headed. You know, Clinton, uh, your uh, your closing thoughts, please. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm I'm honored and humbled to be on here with with all of you, and, and thank you so much for letting me be part of the show. Um, you know, one thing that I've always struggled with when looking at prophecy and, and looking at what's going on is what to do with it. And the instruction is to watch and endure. And, and that's all we're supposed to do is watch and endure and, and be prepared. 
And so that's, that's the greatest gift that we can do is to be able to see this and be here during this time. Um, those of you that, that you know, don't know me, uh, my last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. Uh, so that's going to be the easiest way to find me. But thank you so much for having me on here. You are most certainly welcome. Uh, it's been a blast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Clinton is going to prove to be a, quite a valuable asset to us. Um, he's bringing a fresh, clean perspective on things, so we certainly are grateful to have him. You can, of course, find us on uh, the social networking site, Facebook, End Time Tribune. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, uh, all three of us over there, In uh, Time Tribune or Bands of Time. And, uh, of course, Clinton just uses his name, so Clinton Kowatch, spelled the K. Um, good stuff. Our prayers go out to all of you and all of your different struggles that you're going through all over the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do as we were commanded to do, to watch and pray. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, good night. God bless.